There's nothing that isn't corrupted by the effects of sin. Sin destroys everything mm -hmm. in its path. Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. Here today with me, as usual, my man, Andrew High School T. Soncrant. What's up, guys? The super sleuth, as known as in cultish. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yep. So uh, today we're talking about an exciting topic. Uh, but before we get into that topic, man, how's your week been? How's the things with your family going? How's all that? Yeah, my week's been pretty good. It's been pretty hectic. Just uh, my son's got his molars coming in. He's barely just turned one on the on January 20th. And um, yeah, it's just been like, I don't think he should be even getting his molars for the next few more months. But mm. he has just been staying awake all night and just screaming mm. and kind of being inconsolable. But, you know, there's at those times where... You kind of want to glorify God in those moments and just do what you have to do. And which is actually a really good topic that goes in with what our topic is in regards to sin and not actually being able to understand how to glorify God in tough moments as sinners and creatures created by God. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the results of sin yeah. in our world, right? Mm -hmm. All kinds of all kinds of things, things that we don't even really realize, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, that's what we're going to talk about. All encompassing. All encompassingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. Well, uh, let's uh, go ahead and get into it. Our topic for today is sin. We're speaking on sin. And, uh, you know, this is a huge topic that's important to get right. Right now we're studying a book by J.C. Ryle. Yep. Uh, it's called Holiness. And if mm -hmm. you don't have that book already, I recommend getting it. Our church is going through this study. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, it's it's deep. Um, uh, man, he's good. J.C. Ryle? J.C. Ryle, yes. J.C. Ryle, he's good. So, you know, let's talk about sin. And, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is why is it so important to have a right understanding of sin so that everything else kind of falls into mm. place when it has to do with our theology, mm. how we teach our children, what we mm. teach our children about sin and total depravity. Oof. Why is this so important to us? Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a huge topic. I think the biggest thing to understand with the importance of understanding the weight of sin is that it literally draws the line between the creator and creature distinction and who we are in our current state as fallen human beings and what does it mean that we're fallen. So if we were to look at Genesis chapter 1, Dusty, what what was man in their relationship with God? Man in, well, he was in the image of God, an image bearer of God created in his likeness. Mm -hmm. So man was in God's likeness, meant to have dominion and rule over right. what God had given him the world, you know, to, to subdue, to, to tend the garden, but an image bearer of God. Right. So in the garden, man's relationship with God 
prior to the fall, what was it like? How does the Bible describe it? It says that um, that Adam was able to roam, Adam and Eve roamed freely amongst the cool of the garden, mm. walked with God, boom, walked with God, which is something that Genesis talks quite a bit about. Uh, those who walked with God it even says Noah walked with God as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, I love it. I think I think that's one of the biggest things in regards to what sin actually does. If we think about Genesis chapter one through three, what was the garden like? What was our relationship as human beings as originally intended? What was our relationship with God like? And Dusty said it right there. We walked with God in the cool of the garden. And a garden is not a barren wasteland with thistles and thorns and weeds, right? Right. So in regards to sin and total depravity, what happens is, is when man tries to usurp the throne of God, essentially the same thing that Satan does is it literally is all encompassing and destroys our actual ability to have fellowship with God because we actually disobeyed him and tried to put ourselves over him. And not only does it affect us as individuals, it affects the whole world. Sure. Because after the fall, it produces thorns and thistles, and the garden is no longer accessible to us. Right, yeah. It's it's no longer, uh, it's it's cursed, right? The mm-hmm. ground is cursed because of sin. Yep. So let's, let's, let's give sort of a definition. Uh, Ryle talks about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that um, thinking, imagining, saying, or doing anything that is not in perfect conformity with the mind and law of God. And First John 3, 4 says, everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So anything, so think about that. Imagining things that aren't in uniformity with the mind of God saying things that aren't in uniformity with the, with what God would have us do or say, acting them out, mm-hmm. uh, or thinking, thinking. So imagining, uh, doing, so it's not just, it's our thoughts, right? It's our daydreaming. It's sin begins in the heart. It Ooh. doesn't be, it doesn't begin the moment we act it out. Right. 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 Um, and that's something that's important, right? A right understanding mm. of sin, anything that has to do with thinking, imagining, uh, or doing yes. or saying that doesn't conform with the mind of God. Ooh. So how is it possible for us to deal with our thoughts, our imagination which is automatically set toward sin, right? Born mm. in iniquity, right? Yeah, Bo- conceived in iniquity. Con- conceived in iniquity and um, children uh, by nature, children of wrath, children right. of Adam, as mm-hmm. Romans says. So we need to understand that it's not our external doings that are merely sinful, yep. but our internal being and, and thoughts that yes. is sinful. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So yes. I think what you're hitting on is what Romans 3 explains so clearly, that no one understands God, no one seeks God, all have gone astray. Like, it's poison coming from our lips and our throats are an open grave. Like, that's our position as sinners before a holy God. And like we even talked about that Bible verse, in, I believe it's in Psalm, that we're conceived in iniquity. Mm. That, that That is where we're at in our, our present state. So how do we bridge from being people that are literally incapable of pleasing God, according to Romans 8, that we're people of the flesh, not yet born of the Spirit, right? In, in right. Roman, I believe that's Romans 8. And 
how do we bridge that gap? Because according to the Bible, according to the biblical message, it's a gap that's not able to be <laughs> crossed by human, human right. means. You cannot please God in the flesh. You cannot please God as a sinner. You, can, you do not have the ability to not sin. You're not made a new creature, a new creation. Right. I think that's where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what having this idea uh, that sin begins internally mm-hmm. will, it will um, cut off some of the fiction that we create about mm-hmm. sin, which is that if we just don't do this, we'll be okay. If we just don't do that, we'll be okay. No, sin is thoughts. Sin is imagining. So we cannot stop our thoughts. We can we can take those thoughts captive, but that initial thought, that initial being, that heart that is uh, conditioned to sin, we cannot stop that. So it's not going to be our actions. It's not going to be our good works mm-hmm. that make up for our sin right. because we, in our being, are sinners. Oof. Yes, right? Yes. It has to come from a something outside of us, right? Oh, yes, yes. So so someone saying, let's just give an example, I don't act out in my homosexuality, right? Mm. That is not going to mean that you are not sinning in that area. Right. It's not you acting it out. So so essentially it's this you're not acting it out isn't a justification for your salvation. Right. It should be a manifestation of the fruit of the spirit that not only do you not act out in homosexuality, but that the Lord has given you a new heart and your desires be conformed to the will of God and that you no longer want to even lust for it, that you're trying to put that sin to death. There's a relationship with the way the Holy Spirit, which is the helper that Jesus Christ has sent to us, will help us and change our hearts to have those new desires. But I think what Dusty's hitting at is that there's there's people who literally will say that they're not necessarily a new creation, according to 1 Corinthians 6. Not such were some of you, but they hold on to the homosexual identity instead of finding and rooting their identity in Christ, which means, well, I'm not acting out in my homosexuality, but I'm still a homosexual, but I'm a Christian. And that, that's not right. That can't be sure. right. And like, if we go back to Genesis 1 with Eve, where did the sin occur when Satan tempted her? It was in their desires, it was, right? It to was be in the, at like God. It was when Satan had Eve question God's word and she questioned it herself. So when we think about lawlessness, like with that quote in the beginning is, how do we even know what the law is? By the lawgiver. Right. And then when you want to circumvent that law, now you are in lawlessness and you try to become a law unto yourself, but you can never be a law unto yourself because you're not autonomous. Yeah. It's it's like this. It's like uh, it says in in, uh, Ezekiel that God gives us a new Mm. heart. He takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart transplant, gives us a heart of flesh, causing us to obey obey his statutes, Mm. right? Yes. So... The thing about that is it's the desire within us that changes and it manifests externally, right? Yeah. Our actions are merely an external manifestation of what has happened internally. Yes. Now, still, that doesn't mean we no longer sin in that area because just, uh, just us not doing that doesn't mean that we aren't sinning any longer. Right. It also doesn't mean that we're not declared righteous. Oof. Right. Because we're still going to struggle with the flesh. And that's that's what we can talk about here is um, Paul speaks 
just because we are saved does not mean that we still do not struggle with sin. Right. Paul speaks about it in in Romans 7, the things I don't want to do are the things that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, You see it in David when David was uh, a man after God's own heart. He was still committed murder. Yeah. Right? It's it's not merely not sinning, um, although the practice, it's the practice of not sinning. So it says in 1 John 2, 3 through 4, it says, this is evidence that you know God, that you obey his commandments. They're not burdensome. Anyone who says that they know him yet doesn't obey his commandments is a liar. Mm. Well, in, in that verse, there's a word that means to guard right that when you're when you're obeying you're guarding those commandments so we're talking about that they're in, what do you do you do to things that you guard they're important to you yes they're valuable you hold them higher than yourself you hold them higher than yourself so god's law and his standards mm. are important to us yes. and it's not that we don't stumble and sin we do we fall into grace which is a beautiful thing Yes, we, we but we we go back, right? Mm-hmm. We we continually go back to it yes. and and protect it because it's important to us. So so we are still sinners, right? First mm-hmm. uh, John 1:10 says he who says that he is without sin, no truth is in no him. No truth is in him. Sin, we are still sinners. We are not good. We are never made good. Right. God is good. Right. Jesus is good. That is the goodness. That mm-hmm. is the righteousness that we get. But we always are still wicked. See, this this is this is the beautiful thing about the new creature that has been created in us through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The fact that we can understand the creature creator distinction. So there's the holiness of God, which is totally set apart from us. He is holy in the fact that he knows no sin at all. Right. So as a Christian, if we try to pursue sinless perfectionism, what we're actually trying to pursue is the holiness that God literally has. There's a distinction between the holiness that man can achieve this side of glory mm-hmm. and then the holiness that God has by being God, sure. our, our creator. So there's an issue where people want to literally be God in the pursuit of holiness, which makes them not understand their sin. So what J.C., Ryle argues is the fact that the more you want to become like God, the more we'll be aware of the sin that we have in us. Sure. We ought to put to death those sins, but we put to death those sins until the day we die. Right. And just because we die sinners, it doesn't mean we're not justified. Right. We're still justified by that faith, but that faith is externally uh, is externalized by the working out of our faith in conjunction with the Holy Spirit by making being made a new creature. And that's important. So there's two, there's a couple terms, right, that are important to distinguish and a right understanding of sin helps us do that. Mm-hmm. It's justified and which is righteous, mm-hmm. b- righteous before God. Okay. So those two terms and sanctified. Oh, yes. So when we have a right understanding of sin, we can clearly define and have a distinction between the two, which many uh, religions like Catholicism muddy. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes, yes. They yes. muddy justification and sanctification. I was just thinking about Catholicism on the way here today. <laughs> like, I almost started thinking, I could have been in the wrong thought process, but essentially there's a thought of something called purgatory. Right. And um, you're not justified fully until 
you, you know, can get all of your sins purged that weren't purged from your body here by the merits of um, the saints in purgatory before you can actually go and be with Christ. But that's almost like a form of Gnosticism. Sure. Where because of this fleshly world that we live in, we can't be justified fully until we're justified uh, by through sanctification in purgatory for some reason, which really hard to explain right. that biblically, but yeah. I was thinking about that on this way here. It's yeah, no, it, it's um, it's a muddying of, of the the Catholic, and I'm not speaking for all Catholics. Roman but the Catholic. Roman Catholic. What I'm, what I'm this is uh, from actually road read uh, some of the Council of Trent that had to do with justification <sighs> oh, this week. That is so intense. Dude. Um, that's, that's scary. It's and scary. It's, it's so like okay, so they are very direct and correct for. A period of time and then all of a sudden in that the reading of the Council of Trent it starts talking about and this is a small little sentence it says that we are justified through faith we agree on that and then it goes on to say through our charitable deeds added to that yeah in a sense though and then it starts to kind of muddy oh, it dear. in an area where it says that that has to do with our physical being here. Right. So they start muddying the term justification, good works together, even though they've just defined for paragraphs, literally paragraphs that yeah. were justified by faith alone. Then they start talking about this one sentence about good good works or charitable works which we see in Ephesians yeah uh, and then it go and then it talks a little bit longer and then it starts talking about um, venial sins and absolution through uh, the sac- different sacraments right or mm. a priest having you absolved so it's very subtle and then all of a sudden it opens up into this what did I just read and then it goes back into just but but what I notice is they tr- they're trying to muddy, the term justified and righteous with the sanctification process. And and that's exactly what I was getting at was the fact that we as creatures are constantly battling the flesh. And the evidence of that is the fact that we are always constantly trying to usurp the throne of God. So when we deny justification by grace through faith alone, what we're trying to do is justify ourselves before God. Sure. And the only, only one that can do that is Jesus Christ, who is God, who saved us by himself, for himself, and from himself. Forget yes. what famous person said that. I think like Paul Washer. Paul Washer, yeah. But that, that's the truth. Sure. Like we don't have – the beauty of that is we don't play any part of it. So we have the freedom to fall into grace while God is working in our lives to work us into our good works for him to truly please God in the spirit in Romans 8. Like you can't truly please God in the spirit unless you can have that freedom, which is going to, this is going to sound interesting. The freedom by being a slave to Christ, to right. being a slave to righteousness. Yes. And you can't have that freedom without it. Right. Yeah. You will have no desire, right? The You'll desire. have no desire in mm. it. Um, it's the, it's like uh, in American gospel where they talk about the root of salvation is faith justification through faith the fruit of salvation is your works right you working that out to show to show that you have been justified but you are not justified through the working out or the sanctifying process right you're not justified 
through the process of God working on you, chiseling at you, or you having to uh, follow the or trying to follow the law, you're not justified through that because you cannot, right? Yeah. It is. It is. We are not good. God is good. Mm-hmm. In order to be seen as good, we are not seen as good. In order to be justified, and our penalty, uh, our penalty put somewhere else, right? Yeah. It's put on Christ, but it, that doesn't mean that we're good. We are never good. Right. The Bible never says that man becomes good once we have faith in Christ. Mm. You cannot find it in Scripture. It says God is good, <laughs> man are wicked, that we will continue to struggle with sin as we continue to see in the Scriptures, and that we are merely justified. We are the, Our sins are not held against us, but we continue sin. Okay, I I love it, bro, because in the beginning, this is what it makes me think of, coming back to the root of where we're at now in the garden. So it says that that it was good when God made his creation, right? So this is how deep our sin is. Our sin is so destructive that when when we fell, when Adam fell and Eve fell, Literally, sin deteriorated us so much that we used to have fellowship with walking and walking with God through the garden. Right. Right. Let's just let's paint a picture of this real quick from walking with God in the garden where there's no death, where it's beautiful, harmony, peace with acceptance and just knowing God literally with walking with him to thorns and thistles kicked out of the garden to having to work by the sweat of your brow to produce anything, some sustenance to now actually dying. So the wages of sin or death prior to the garden or the fall in the garden, there was no death for, Mm -hmm. for Adam and Eve. Right. So after there is, then there's thorns and thistles. So the earth is now corrupted because of the image of God has become tainted. So the reflection that we are producing to all of God's creation, as we were supposed to be the ones that had perfect dominion over them, our reflection now taints them. Sure. Right? Yes. So from walking with God into the garden, now let's go to Moses on Mount Sinai, where he literally can't even look at God. He's terrified. He sees the, the reflection of the back of God from a rock covering. And then that is even too much for him to behold. And then when he comes down from the mountain, his face is shining from the glory of God. Yeah. And then the people have to cover their eyes. Why are they covering their eyes? Right. Because they cannot walk with God in the garden anymore because they are sinners. They are wicked. So we go. And, 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 or is it is it Isaiah that talks about like his lips? Isaiah, not, uh, Isaiah 6, I believe. Yes. So in Isaiah 6, when he's given the, the vision of the glory of God, and it's like Jesus on his throne, he falls on his face and says, woe is me, which is like the biggest condemnation any prophet ever gives is when they give the woes. He gives it to himself. And Isaiah was known as like the most righteous of the prophets. Hmm. And he himself falls on his face in front of the glory of God. Yeah. And at least God is so gracious with us nowadays living on the other side of the covenant, Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and ascension to the throne that he does. He's nice enough (laughs) and gracious enough to not make us feel the full weight of all of our sin at once. Right. So I would say in Isaiah's moment, there's, there was some graciousness to where he wasn't dead. Sure. But at the, but, but he was shown more of his sin than I've probably ever been shown to myself, you know, uh, going over time. And he fell to his face said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. 
hurt me, Lord. Yeah. Essentially hurt me, kill me, anything, so I don't have to bear this weight of the wrath of God, which is literally, you can't experience anything else. Being a sinner in front of God, you feel the weight and the wrath of God just by existing. Just like the disciples in the boat, when Jesus calms the storm, they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they realized that God was in the boat with them. Mm. God was in the mm. boat with them. This is the holiness of God we're talking about, which sure. exposes the sinfulness of man. And I'm glad you said that because I wanted to, to talk about the the vileness of sin, right? Mm. You brought it up. Like even being in the presence of God with our sin, just disgust, fearful, disgusted, but we are so jaded and and rightfully rightfully so that we are jaded because we are born into this world that is just um being is decaying because of sin right that is is just we we are born into sin the world is groaning waiting for the return of christ and we it's hard for us as sinful human beings to realize the sin that we have even even when we are uh, post-faith, right? Right. It is still difficult to realize the effects of sin, and therefore it is easy to think that our sin isn't that big of a deal, mm. and that causes us to have ideas like, well, how can a, a loving God send people to hell? <laughs> yeah. How can a loving and righteous God send people to hell? Why would he ever do that? Because the vileness and destruction and wickedness of our sin. Mm. Look around us in this world. Look at every system that we have, everything going on that is corrupt in some way. Everything is decaying. Everything is breaking down. Children with sicknesses, people with sicknesses, all of these things. And it is a result of the sin. So all of this sin... It, it's bringing, it's the effects of sin are just all around us. We have hospitals all over, prisons built. The, just, just we see it all around us, but it's, it's become normal, right? It's become, mm. it's, we, we've become numb to it because that's, we don't know any different yeah. until God enters in our lives and Brings, raises us to spiritual life mm-hmm. to where we are no longer slaves to sin and we can see it right Ooh. now we don't see everything obviously we're mm-hmm. we're we're being there is a sanctification Intrig- process yeah. yes, yes. and we live in a fallen world this is the world that we know we're not in glory yet we're not in glory yet but but it's not too hard to 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 turn on the TV turn on the news to go outside and have uh, community with others and see the sickness and see the the corruptness yeah. see things decaying the hard work and and um, just even even on our emotions right our yeah. emotions um, the the shame that we have from actions that we do or the depression just I mean, every time you turn on and you see a commercial, uh, uh, it seems like there's a commercial for some pill to deal with some yeah. emotional issue, like right, right. all results of the destruction of sin. And I think you hit on something so beautiful, bro, is the difference between 
condemnation by the law and freedom in Jesus Christ to realize what God is doing with his purposes. Like you're, you rightfully say we live, we live in a nation that's, that's under judgment, right? So like it says in Genesis 48 with the story of Joseph, what he says is that what man intended for evil, God used for good to bring about his purposes. So we have this wickedness in the world that we live in. It is so wickedness, wicked. It is in decay. But according to 1 Corinthians 15, it's being renewed, right? But you can't even understand that right, without the gospel. Right, so you're, right. you're speaking in, in terms of a depravity so intense, so rooted in sin, that although the truth, the truth, which is rooted in God's word, says the opposite, like we're not, we're not going to destruction, we're, we're going to the renewal, right? And so Jesus Christ hands the keys over to the kingdom to the Father. So... But people are so jaded and rooted in their sin that all they can think of is destruction and say, well, God going to use this for his glory, for his good in the renewal by the revealing of the sons of God and the preaching and proclamation of the gospel to reverse the curse, right? Yeah. Instead of actually believing what God says and saying, that's the end, that's what's going to happen and running with that faith, like it says in Hebrews, running with the faith that you actually turn the blessing of God and the blessing of a gospel the gospel into a curse as a wicked person, mm -hmm. which is stepping and trampling on foot the Son of God in denying his sacrifice. Sure, yes. And that that's where people are at and where, where, where even many Christians still constantly struggle with. There are different thoughts of eschatology, which is the thoughts of the end times. Sure. We have a specific one that is post-millennial. We believe that the kingdom of God is ever-expanding, on, like, it's 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to know what post-millennialism is, read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that's a good explanation. And uh, you can watch other, you know, presentations that our pastor Jeff Kenneth Gentry. And, and, and Kenneth Gentry to understand parts of the book of Revelation. But the, the, the thing is, is that it's a winning gospel, that it Jesus is, yeah. Christ is a winner, and judgment comes from sin. Yes. But freedom comes from Christ. So right. when we're free in Christ... We don't have to fall under the heavy weight of sin. Right. We don't have to focus so much on sin because the issue is, is if we, as Christians, as new creatures, new creations, if we focus so much on our sin, we lose the ability to see what God is doing for good. Romans 8, 28 through 30. Sure. We, have, we lose the ability to trust in God and his promises with us. So the gospel being a slave to righteousness means we're no longer a slave to sin and the consequences of having all of those burdens. We're free to say, you know what? I made a mistake and I'm convicted of it. Right. But now I'm going to change because my desires are changing instead of saying I'm scared. I'm yes. under the condemnation of the law. Right. And now I'm trying right. to only work this out so I cannot have fear. Right. Ooh. Yeah. That's not yes. a good thing. That's not a good thing. That's not actual yes. sanctification. That's trying to usurp the throne of God and not falling into the grace of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a it's a back and forth balancing, right? Yeah. It's uh it's okay, I'm made righteous, so I'm gonna try really hard <laughs> over here to continue to follow the law, and that's gonna get me prideful and thinking that I don't need Christ in mm -hmm. a sense, mm -hmm. in a sense that I can work this out and I can attain perfection, mm -hmm. which I can't. On the other side is uh, I have Christ so I could do whatever I want. Right. So both are incorrect, mm -hmm. right? And there's a balance of the two. It's and, But that is also what our sin nature does, right? 
We corrupt every good thing. <laughs> we corrupt every good every thing. good thing. We so do. we we either sway to the left, mm-hmm. and we try to work it work it out in a way that becomes us just merely um, having a holiness of our own. Yep. And on the other side, it's like well, I'll just do whatever, and that's that's a pra- a practice of sin Oof, and a, a lack of conviction. Dang. Right? Yeah, it goes from usurping the throne of God and trying to achieve holiness and physical perfection as a man for for your own motives and desires to antinomianism, which is trying to be like a law unto yourself and resting in the grace of Jesus, which, you know, Ezekiel chapter 36, that he puts in a new heart and new desires. We wouldn't wouldn't be antinomians, which Paul says, by no means when people say that. Sure. And it's it's something for for me, it's, it's a constant like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? It's like, I just need to continue seeking. And absolutely, I should uh, keep myself from sin. However, I need to realize that uh, my thoughts, my motives, my desires, as as we're taught, it's our thoughts, even our motives to do good. Yes. Our motives to do good are sinful. When they don't bring glory to God. Oh, dude. When they bring glory to ourself. Yes, our works yes. are but filthy rags. And oh, I don't know how uh, some of us dude, who dude. are watching this might not know what the rags oh, are. Oh, tell them, tell them. Dustin. Menstrual, woman's menstrual rags. It's pretty dirty. That's the disgusting picture that God gives us mm. of our good works. So on that note, imagine what our sin is like. Oh, yeah. Right. If our good works <laughs> are but filthy menstrual rags before oh. a holy God... What is our sin? Our our sin is the ever unquenchable wrath of God that we face being unjustified by Christ on the other side of death. Where when you feel, this is from Jonathan Edwards, by the way, in Sinners at the Hands of an Angry God. When you feel like the weight and the wrath of God is too much when you're in hell, Jesus will press down on you that much harder. Mm. It says in the book of Revelation that blood will spew like a wine press onto his garments. This is Jesus we're talking about and how he yeah. handles the sinners. He will press harder. Sure. That's what the wine press does. And that's what he thinks about sin, right? Exactly. That's what he. That's what a holy God thinks about sin. It's just. It's, it's a righteous judgment needs to happen because of the vileness of sin, mm-hmm. right? The penalty that Jesus paid when he was in the garden and he knew the cup that he had to bear, what did he do? He sweat blood because he knew that <laughs> the wrath of God was coming upon, was him. Coming upon him. It was a weight. <sighs> And it wasn't just his death. It was a torture that he went through. Oh, yeah. Right? It wasn't just him dying. It was the wrath of God coming upon him. He knew the weight of that. He knew that what was coming, and it made him sweat blood. And let's think about that. That is a vile weightiness. And not only is it like, let's say, this is impossible. A human can never do it since we're conceived in sin. But it's not like this this person who's fully God, fully man, just died for his own sin. He was sinless, number one. In order for the justification to occur, he has to be sinless. But number two, it's for his elect. It's not just one person. Right. This is for You mean he millions. didn't die for everyone? Right, right. For all people? <laughs> well, then why are people going to hell? Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's intense. And like what you're talking about, with what does God think about the works then that are not done in pure submission in glorification of God. I think it's talked about in second Corinthians where it will burn away like a chaff and only sure. the good works remain like gold that have been tested in fire. He will burn those away yeah. from the Christian. 
because we still do that. Right. But the beautiful thing is instead of the fire burning us, destroying us, ever so more burning and keep on burning until forever (laughs) and eternity, instead the fire refines us. Right. It refines us. The beauty of that. Yes. That the fire refines us because the consequences of our sin were laid on God himself. That's how much he hates sin is that he didn't let any human try to take the burden because it's not possible. He hates it so much that he took it upon himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. Yeah. That's how much he hates sin is it shows us that much more how beautiful the gospel is. Like that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this is because when we focus on sin so much, but we forget to see the gospel, I would say this to anyone. You are not even focusing on sin because what sin does, it makes the gospel that much more beautiful. It makes you run to the arms of Christ that much more as a creature created by God. Yes. I mean, it should at least, I would say. And that's why we're talking about having a right understanding of sin and why it is so important. So let, let's let's bring it into this because I think I think you would give an excellent uh, analysis. So in our current culture, uh, let's say in the United States of America, under judgment, we have people who do not bow the knee to Christ. What are the external ramifications of living in a society that doesn't bow its knees to Christ? Like, what's going on? Like, how does that affect people nowadays all around us? What's happening in our society, Dusty? Uh, Foolishness. People can't even uh, identify their gender. Mm. Uh, People were, we have the family broken down to the man is no longer head of the household. We have uh, gay marriage. We have people killing themselves off in abortion. Uh, We, it's just continue the systems we we how often do we see a system that we thought was awesome something and then this is just random but i know that uh there's a in in the world series baseball right now there's news going on of people who uh cheated in the world series oh wow there's nothing that is pure (laughs) right any there's nothing that isn't corrupted by the effects of sin sin destroys everything Mm -hmm. in its path and it's just, I mean, look at our society. Look at where it's going. Look at what's happening. Look at the sickness and the, the you know, with uh, all people and, and vaccines and just different things all about financial gain. And um, there's no... Uh, there's no fear of God before them, right? You just went all through Romans 1, 18 <laughs> through 32 just now. There, there's no fear of God, and it's it's also because... God has handed us over. There we go. That's the judgment. Mm -hmm. God has handed us over. I love it, Dusty. So pretty much what you just said is he's handed us over. So it's not without and through God's sovereignty. It's not out of his his control. No. There's a reason why we're being judged and the wrath of God is upon our nation. It's because we're circumventing the law of God. And by the weight of our sin, we're bringing it back to Genesis 1. We try to usurp the throne, put our own law ahead of God's law. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you say you believe, you're not a law unto yourself. And there's consequences for your actions. Right. Right? Yep. So... How, how is it? How is this then? I want to ask you a question. So being a Christian who lives in the United States of America, how should we view the condemnation and the wrath of God being on our society? How should a Christian view it? What should sure. we do? 
our, it's to go and call them back, right? It's to call them to turn from their sin because we see that the judgment is upon us. Mm. And in our state, our hope is to call them back to turn, right? It's like, it's like in the Old Testament, the prophets of their time, they saw God showed them the sinfulness of the people around them. And what were they told to do? They were go go into that culture proclaim. to proclaim the truth, calling people to turn, but the judgment is already on us, Ooh, right? Dude, dude, okay, let's think let's think about this too, with the weight of sin and being on the other side of the cross. So Hebrews chapter chapter one it says, Long ago God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how much greater is the condemnation and the weight of sin? from the judgment of God on the other side of the cross. Right. Yeah. So much greater. So much greater. Right. So much greater. Yeah. Post-cross. I mean, they had a looking forward to. We have a post-looking back. We have the blessings. Like, if anyone wants, I recommend go through Hebrews, Hebrews chapters 10, 11, and 12. And it talks about essentially the blessings of this new covenant coming. And how much greater we have it on the other side of the cross. But there's sure. a warning in it. And the warning is, is now, if you deny what, what God has said through his son, the condemnation is so much greater. We cannot forget that. And people tend to forget that, like in antinomianism. Well, they walk around, let's say someone goes and has abortion. Well, Jesus will forgive me. Sure. No, yeah. my friend, the Jesus you've created doesn't exist. Right. Doesn't exist. Yes, because what you said when we usurp the the th- throne of God, him being on the throne, it's us sitting on the throne. <sighs> A God who cannot save, mm. who will have nothing to say when they stand before the God Prostrate. in judgment. Mm. Right? So, so let's kind of wrap it up with this. We talked about different parts of sin, the importance of understanding it, and I wanted to just briefly talk about why this is so important, these main points, and J.C. Ryle gives these in his book, uh, where he speaks about uh, how a right understanding before God will help us as Christians, a right understanding of our sin Mm -hmm. before God and what sin is will help us, first off, not have a vague view of theology. Right. Amen, dude. We'll, Amen. We will not take our theology lightly mm. because we will understand the gravity of sin. Mm. And when we understand the gravity of sin, then it will push us to understand the truth. Because if we don't have the truth, then it. we're headed to hell. Yeah. And it's going to be bad. He's, he's pretty much saying that once you understand who you are and your sin, that you will actually run to the Bible as the standard and the authority of the word of God that much more, which is our law, instead of actually trying to push it aside. Right. Or just say, or just repeating things that you've heard. You right. will want to know it for yourself. Go into his word. Yes. That's the word of God. Sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. Yes. You know? So, and secondly, he talks about, um, we will, it'll be an antidote for liberal theology, right? Amen. Relativism. What does liberal theology do to the Bible? It just said, whatever's good for you, right? It, yeah, it questions the authority of God's word and supremacy in regards to context. It'll be like, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the such were some of you. 
uh, the language and they, whatever, they have their arguments that try to deny the fact that they don't have to give up their homosexual identity. Right. That yeah. they're still practicing homosexuality even after that. That's liberal theology, which is what it does is question the standard of God. And it doesn't realize the gravity of sin. Mm. Thirdly, he talks about is it's an antidote to formal religion, so ritualistic theology. So we spoke about it on the other side, trying to attain a holiness of ourselves Mm -hmm. through sacraments and rituals. Mm -hmm. Not only is it uh, a solution for liberal theology over here that just says, oh, I can do whatever I want and I'm saved. It's also an antidote for religious practices. Love it. Because we understand Sin, the gravity of sin, we will understand the gravity of what Christ did for us and the righteousness that he gives us and our rituals. It frees us from a yoke, a yoke of repetition. Yes. Like the Hare Krishnas, what they do is they have these beads and they have to wake up so early in the morning. They have a certain amount of hours every single day that they have to touch each bead and say a prayer. And then they go to the next bead and there's mm-hmm. like 110 beads or something like that on that necklace. And they have to do it so many times a day. That's a yoke. It is a that's yoke. a burden. That's that's pretty much what you're talking about there yep. from rep- vague repetition. So in our understanding of sin, we'll understand that the only uh, the only antidote for our sin is Christ, Jesus. is what he did, his righteousness, not our own. The true Jesus. The true Jesus. Yes. Fourthly, it says that it'll be an antidote for human perfection, just kind of what we're talking about, the same thing. Uh, a human perfection, though, that's brought about by... Uh, us, our good deeds, right? Mm-hmm. Are not our rituals more so, but more our good deeds, good charity, right? right? right. As, as the Catholic would say, our good charity towards others, mm. okay? So a right understanding of sin, when we understand that it's the vileness of it and it, that it can't be worked off, it's impossible to be worked off, the right understanding it will show that our works aren't going to do anything for us right? because we're spiritually dead. Romans 8. Right and uh, Ephesians one. Ephesians one. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, Ephesians two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ephesians okay, yeah, yeah. two. Ephesians dead two, in our yeah. trespasses and yeah, sins. Two, three. Yeah. Yes. So it will be an answer for our human workings, thinking that we're uh, our good deeds, that they're achieving mm. righteousness. <laughs> yep. That's the scary part to be in. And yeah. I, I'd like to speak to something about that real quick before yeah. we get to the next point. So, yeah. if anyone on here is LDS, um, it may sound familiar to you right? In regards to your works and working out your salvation. But one thing I want to point you to would be second Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, Paul rightly proclaims that there are people who will proclaim a different Jesus. Um, they will preach a different gospel and they'll accept a different spirit. And then later in that chapter, it says this, that there are people who will disguise themselves or there's false apostles as uh, workers of righteousness. But it says near the end of that section, it says, but they're their ends will meet their deeds. So although it looks righteous, although it looks like many good things are happening, since they have and know a different Jesus than to what is rooted in scripture, that they've accepted a different spirit and believed a different gospel, that the ends are still death. And they're glorifying a different God, which have to do with their intentions. And justification. They don't have it. Right. And so they try to work out their salvation. So there is freedom in Christ and the Christ of the gospel. And God has spoken in his word and he has preserved it as the almighty creator of heaven and earth and the universe. He has the power to do that. 
You can trust his word, but if you do not trust the word of God, I can tell you right now, the root of it is your sin and you do not know God. You are on the other side of the cross. You are in Romans three territory. Yeah. But Jesus Christ is the antidote. He can fix that. Only he. Only he can fix that. Only he. And finally, the antidote, uh, as we said, for personal holiness, as you were just talking about, thinking that works are going to attain a righteousness of ourselves for a personal gain, Mm. right? For a personal gain to become like God. Our works, God is here, as you said. We are here. Yeah. We are not going to be God. God is God. Only God is good. We are not good. Yeah. Uh, It's important to know that. It's important to have a right understanding uh, of our sin and wickedness. It's important to teach our children a right understanding. My children, I teach them Romans 3, Mm. that no one is good, not even one. (laughs) No one seeks for God. When my children, they go through the list of our friends, so they're like, is Andrew good? I'm like, no, No. honey, Andrew's (laughs) not good. Is Marley good? No, No. he's not good. And then she (laughs) says, Daddy, only God is good? And I say, yes, only God is good. It's important to understand that because... If we don't, we will make excuses for why sin is not that bad. Mm. And then we will think that we don't need Christ. We will think that we will teach it. We will hide in our churches. We will hide teachings about the wickedness of our sinful nature to try and please people. And all we are doing is condemning them. We're we're pointing them towards hell. When we don't talk about the weightiness and the vileness of sin, we are lying to ourselves and we are not doing God's word justice, right? We're not handling it with care and we're tickling people's ears. Yeah, there's no gospel in it. There's no gospel. Water there's no need. Clouds. There's no need, right? If we don't have sin, there's no need for, for the gospel. There's no need for Christ. And that is why it's so important that we have a right understanding, that we teach our families these things, that we do not hide the wickedness of sin but we understand it. Now we're not condemned as we said under it. We don't keep our we don't keep ourselves focused, but a right understanding. And yes, God does send people to hell, but it's not because that he is a mean God or a, because he's a not good. He sends people to hell because of the wickedness of sin. Mm-hmm. And he has every right to do so. Just like in the garden, You cannot hide from your sin. They tried to hide from God, fashioning themselves clothes from fig fig leaves. Fig leaves at first. Right. And so what did God do, though? He took them. He promised them through the fall, the proto-evangelion, which was the (laughs) first gospel. And then he slaughters an animal and clothes them himself. Yes. That is what he did with himself to cover us from our sins. Yes. So we don't have to bear that full weight. It's right there at the beginning. And if we don't have a right understanding, just like I'll, I'll end on this, if we don't think our sin is that big of a deal, then we spit in the face of Christ yes. because his sacrifice, the weightiness of the sin that he took upon himself, we spit in his face by saying mm. that sin isn't that big of a deal. And it is a big deal because God says it is. That's why. 
Anything you'd like to leave them with, brother? No, that's that's it right there. All right. Well, you've been tuning in with Reformed Dads. Thank you guys for watching. And as I always leave you, comb out your beard in the way that it should grow. <laughs> and when it is long, it will not depart from it. Much love, guys. Peace out. This edition versus submission. Sinners need forgiveness. Surrender to his lordship. Don't extort the grace he's given. See, I'm blessed by the one Yahweh all day. I'm a wretched sinner. Deserve hell for all ways.